Y'all, uh, y'all join me now in a word of prayer, would you? Heavenly Father, thank you for blessing us uh, with music and in worship, in seeing your Holy Spirit work through baptism and just being here together as a church family. Now, dear Lord, as we open up your word, I pray that hearts will be open to hear simply, precisely what you would have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this morning, I want to talk to you guys about uh, growth, about growing. And the first thing that comes to my mind when I, when I even say the word growing is my two boys, Jack and Logan. Um, many of you know them, and they, God, they're just growing up so fast. Uh, I mean, it seemed like yesterday I was holding each of them as, as an infant in my arms. And, man, they, you know, you think that they're just going to stay babies forever. I remember somebody telling me that. You know, they're born, and you just think, hey, you're, you're going to be a baby for the rest of your life. And soon you realize that's not the case, and that's not how it goes, and they start growing up. And then you realize, man, I just, I got to take every day because they're growing so fast. But what's fascinating is they're growing in different ways. See, Jack is, um, if you know Jack, he's a very verbal guy. Um, obviously, he gets that from his mother. But a uh, very, very verbal guy, and uh, he can articulate um, you know, words and sentences uh, really well, just at an early, early age. Again, he gets that from his mom. But um, so much so that we're trying to encourage him to grow more in his knowledge of words and sentences and, and grammar. Where Logan, on the other case, is, um, well, he just doesn't really, what he articulates is sounds, you know, and, and screams. And um, he can't really speak out words. I mean, Jack was kind of saying some words you know, when he was Logan's age, but Logan's not. But what's growing in Logan is this strong will, almost like a tenacious will, because he can't communicate right now, but he still, you know, thinks and, and wants what he wants. So he likes to, you know, let us know that he wants what he wants. And um, we're also trying to help him grow more to say, you know, Logan, you can't always get what you want, which we get then get another scream. But we're trying to, you know, help them both grow in different ways and then you know Jack on the other hand we were playing we got this bingo word game and we were playing it last night and you know I was telling about the words and making sounds and he starts correcting me he said no 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 daddy it sounds like this you know this means that so um maybe got a long ways to go my son at three already connect correcting his dad but they're both growing up and they're both growing in different ways and you know it made me think about how you know, as a dad, I want to encourage them to grow, and I want to encourage them to grow the right way. And we have to have that because all of us, I think all of us are doing either one of two things in our life, each and every one of us, young, old, whatever we do. We're either growing in our lives or we're regressing in our lives. There is no being stagnant. There is no treading water. We're either moving and growing or we're going backwards. And this is the case, I think, in every aspect of our lives. I think mentally, with our minds, you know, I believe we're not growing and, you know, trying to read and trying to understand things. I think we're falling backwards. Physically, if you're not trying to, you know, stay in decent shape or in decent health, you're going backwards. Socially, is the same way. We grow in our relationships with people, and we want to do that, and we want to grow. But if we're not making an effort to do that, I don't think we're just like treading water. I think we're actually going backwards and regressing. So we want to grow physically, we want to grow mentally, we want to grow socially, and we want to grow spiritually. 
And this is what I want to talk to us today. Because as pastor of this church, what I want for you is to encourage you to grow spiritually with, as I said before, how much God loves you and how he saved you in Jesus Christ. And I want you to grow the right way in knowledge and in faith and in service. But if we're not growing spiritually, if we're not doing all that, I believe we're actually going backwards and not doing ourselves justice. I, again, I don't think there's any treading water. I think if you're treading water, you're actually really going the other way. If you've been with us this month, you've heard me talk about commit. In fact, the title of this whole series this month is called Commit. In that it's a new year, we make new commitments, and I want us to be committed to the right things. First uh, Sunday I preached on it was actually what we called the snow day, when of course it didn't snow, but uh, we thought it was. Talked about being committed to Christ, and that's the most important sermon, obviously the whole deal. Because if you don't get that, you really don't get the rest of it. So if you weren't here that day, I'd love for you to go back and listen, commit to Christ. But then commit to others. Because if we're committed to Christ, we're committed to other people. And last week we talked about committing to see. To see that God has something greater for your life than you have ever imagined and ever dreamed. And today we close out this series with being committed, commit to grow. To grow. Grow spiritually. Grow in knowledge and faith of how much God loves you. Grow in a spirit of service that you want to serve Christ, to grow spiritually, to grow in Christ. I want you all to do that. I want you to take that step. But it doesn't just like happen. I mean, you can't say, hey, I'm I'm committed to grow spiritually. I'm committed to grow my relationship to Christ. It doesn't happen automatically. You have to make a commitment. You have to make a step. You have to be intentional. How do you go about doing that? Now, let me give you some easy Sunday school answers that we probably all heard. You can, you know, spend time in God's Word, which is true. But again, Sunday school answer. We can, hey, pray more. We can have devotions and all of that, all that good stuff. Everything about that is totally true, but I think sometimes we hear it so much that it gets rote and it really has no impact in our hearts and in our lives. So I kind of want to redefine how you grow spiritually, and hopefully it'll clear it up for you more, and hopefully it'll get you, it'll get you to start growing individually in your life, and together as a church family. So how do you grow? I think first, before you do any growth, before you take that step, before you're intentional, you have to see God at work. You have to see God working either in your life or see God working in where you're at or in the community you're at or in the place you're at in your life. You have to see God at work. We are, I believe, by our very essence, by our DNA, we're, we're wired, God has created us to be creatures for worship, okay? Now, I know what you may be thinking, like, so God created me to, like, stand and maybe sing, maybe I don't know the song, maybe I do, or, you know, I feel really good, hold hands up, you know. That's not what I'm talking about. God created us, though, for worship as emotional beings, as people who, well, can get fired up, can get inspired, can get moved by experiences or by music, ultimately, I think, by the Holy Spirit. But we're wired for worship. We're wired to be moved. Let me give you some examples outside of church, okay? I have, uh, I've had several friends, buddies, you know, great guys, and a lot of them grew up, and they would love to go to these widespread panic concerts. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Not that you went, but you might have. 
um, he loved to hit these concerts. Now, I never really got into it, um, to be honest. But, um, you know, great guys, and they're like, man, you just got to go. It's the whole experience, you know. The music and the sound and the lights and the words and, the, you know, probably some other stuff, too, we won't get into. But, you know, just the whole experience was what I was told. Because there were these folks that would go to, like, you know, I mean, I think 20 shows was a small number. I mean, like, you know, 50, 70 and all this. But they would always say, man, it's just the experience. Each show is different. Blah, blah, blah. And it's, you know, moving, inspiring, and, you know, powerful, all this stuff. And they would go. And what I'm trying to say is that, yes, I mean, I think people are created to be moved and be inspired and to be, you know, just overtaken sometimes by music and by, by words and by song and by lighting and, and all of that stuff. And there's a void inside us, and we try to fill it. And maybe if you like music, you're trying to fill it with concerts, or maybe it's a widespread, excuse me, a panic show. But ultimately, that's never going to totally, totally fill that void. On another end, another side, something that I can really get into are sporting events. Football games, even baseball games. And, you know, if I'm pulling for this team, man, I can get really fired up. And I love... I love going to, you know, SEC football game and getting there, you know, right before kickoff, Vault Hemingway Stadium, and, you know, it's just, you know, the cannon blast, and if it's a big game, I remember we went to this game, it didn't happen this year, but last year, it's this big game versus LSU, and just, you know, 60 plus thousand just, just roared, and of course, I'm thinking, like, here's 60,000 in a football game, where are all these folks in church, you know, I mean, could they go to church too? But, man, it's just everybody is fired up. Everybody's, you know, chanting and roaring, you know. Now, some fans, you know, do a little bit different, and they're kind of aberrations to that, and they do things like, you know, ring bells and stuff. I and mean, we, we love them anyway. It's just how they are. But anyway, but, you know, they get fired up, and they do it in different ways, different types of worship, whatever. But, you know, we just, we're built to be fired up, to be inspired, to be moved, to be passionate, that's how I think God created us. And I think ultimately, again, those things, whether it's a sporting event, whether it's a concert, whether it's a great symphony or movie, that they will fill us to an extent, but we'll always be coming back for more. And I believe true worship, when you see God at work, when you know it, that's, that's something that will always last, that will keep you, that you will... Maybe we'll want to keep coming back too, but it's, it's the true stuff. It's the good stuff. It's what we were made for. We were made to worship. And then you can't commit to grow until you see God working somehow, some way, and get inspired and move and say, man, I'm going to grow because I can see God moving there, and that will fill me up more than anything else. Don't take my word for it. Let's look into Scripture. We've been going through the life of Moses in Exodus, and um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus chapter 6. Again, our lighting specialist is not in today, so you may have to follow up on the screen. My apologies. But Exodus 6, I want to read verse 6 through 13. We find Moses, and he has been called by God, and he's gone to Pharaoh, and he's still really resistant, and he's still really almost scared of confronting Pharaoh and confronting the people and being their leader. So here is God speaking to Moses, okay? Exodus 6, verse 6. God says, Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. 
I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from the, under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. So Moses spoke thus to the sons of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses on account of their despondency and cruel bondage. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Go, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, Egypt, to let the sons of Israel go out of his land. But Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, Behold, the sons of Israel have not listened to me. How then will Pharaoh listen to me, for I am unskilled in speech? Then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron and gave them a charge to the sons of Israel and to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Stop right there. God is saying to Moses, Hey, I am God. I am going to do this. I'm going to give you this land that I promised your, your fathers, Abraham and Isaac. I'm going to do this. Just believe in me. And so, you know, Moses goes and he speaks to the people. And he comes back and he says, God, you know, the people, they just, they won't believe me. You know, the first bit of resistance, Moses just, you know, just runs back to God. Basically saying, I just, I can't do it. And here's God saying, I am God. I'm Lord. I, I can do this. I mean, God is talking to Moses. He is speaking to him. God is obviously working, but, but Moses doesn't see it. Moses does not see God at work right now at this point. Let's go a couple chapters over to Exodus 14. Exodus 14. And what's happened now is that God has really rained down on the Egyptians with all these plagues and all this stuff. And Moses has led the Israelites up to the Red Sea. God's about to part the Red Sea. But the Israelites still cry out against Moses. And listen to what they say. This is Exodus 14, verse 11. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Okay, this is a very different guy, very different depiction of Moses. I mean, he is like, you know, they rise up against him again. It's like, man, what are you doing? Did you want us just to come here and die? And Moses, man, I mean, he doesn't give an inch now. He says, no, God is going to take care of you. What you're about to see is God's hand. What you're about to see is God separate the Red Sea. God is with us. I mean, he is so strong. He is emerging as the leader that God, God saw before Moses even saw it. What happened? I mean, what changed this man who was unskilled in speech, did not believe in himself, was cowering the first bit of opposition, and now he is leading the charge? Moses saw God work. Those chapters we just skipped over, I mean, it was really too much to just go all through them, but God did rain down on Pharaoh from plagues, insects, locusts, turning the Nile into blood. I mean, you know, not like fun stuff. And then the last was obviously the firstborn of all the Egyptians. 
But Moses saw, like, man, this is the real deal. Like, this is a sure thing. This is not just some voice calling out. This is not even just some burning bush. This is the hand of God moving. He saw God at work. And he knew if God was behind them, I mean, come what may, he was going to lead them through it. And so he was now trying to get all these other folks to see, hey, God is with us. God is working here. Can't you see it? Because if you see it, then you'll take the step of faith and you'll come with me and we'll start growing together to be God's people, to be his chosen people. If we're going to grow, if we're going to make that commitment to grow, we first have to see, we have to see God working. And that may be just individually in your life. It may be with a group of friends. It may be in a church. We have to see God at work. Now, I do what I do. I'm a pastor, so, you know, I'm a church guy. I'm a church man. I believe you primarily see God at working in the church, in the church. Now, and I, I love preaching. I love worship. So I, I believe, you know, I believe you see him here. Actually, not just here, like up on stage, but when you walk through that door, as you build a community in the 40s, you come in, as we are inspired by music, as we look into God's word, as we see a baptism, I believe you can see God work here at Bellwether. I hope you see that. I was talking to somebody last week, and I'm going to tell this story. And this person, this family, they didn't go to Bellwether, um, let's say, a year ago. And they said, you know, it was a time in our life where, these are the words, we needed a sure thing. We needed a sure thing. And immediately I thought, because I've heard this before, oh, I totally understand, you know, a new church, you know, not a permanent home, and you know, you probably think, you know, getting off the ground. So, hey, we got to wait to see if this thing's legit, you know, that maybe they're not all nuts, um, which we're not. Or, you know, you got to take some time to see it grow and see how it grows. And this person said, no, that, no, that's not what I meant. I mean, at the time, I needed a sure thing where I could walk in a church and I could see and know that God was working there. And I could see the Holy Spirit. And then this person said, when I came to Bellwether, and when I visited it for the first time, I knew it was a sure thing. I knew it was a sure thing too. And I found my place because I saw God working here. And I made a commitment that I'm going to grow here. I know, not just believe, I know this is a sure thing in the sense that God is working here. I know he's working in worship, but that's, that's not the only place that he works. And that's not all that we as a church, Bellwether, are about. I believe he works in small groups, in small communities, in homes. When people give their testimony or people share, you know, what's going on in their life, be it a praise or be it, man, you've got to pray with me because I am so low right now, but that we can surround them as a family. I believe you can see God working in youth and in family as we raise up these children and as we raise up our youth to be stronger men and women leaders for Christ. I believe you can see God work in missions, whether it's in Honduras or whether it's here locally. I believe you can see God work when people in our family are hurting or lose someone dear and a community of loved ones surrounds them and say, you have a family. You have God here. You have Christ here. And we'll love you. I believe you can see God at work. I hope you do. I pray you do. In any or all of those things. Because I do.
But if you want to grow, and if you want to commit to grow, you first have to see God working. And I hope you see him here. But we don't just stay there. There's a next step. But yet I believe that so many Christians, not just in this church, but in all churches, I think they want to stay right there. I think they find a place, small or large, they say, man, I can see God working here. I feel him. And I just want to sit back, and I want to take it all in. And I want to come and see, and see, and see. And I'll just, man, just soak it all up. And I don't believe that's what God's calling us to. One pastor used this example. I love this. It's like, well, I love Drew Brees. I love his passion. Like before a game, he'll, he'll get the huddle and he'll, he'll fire everybody up and they'll get riled up to go play. And so what it is when folks just want to see God at work and say, hey, I'm just going to come and I'm just going to see. It's like we get in the huddle or you come to church and we get fired up and you give a rah-rah sermon or the music or everything. And then we just go to the sidelines. And we sit and we wait or stand and wait. And we come back again and we huddle all up and you get the rah-rah speech. And everybody's fired up and just go back to the sidelines. Hey, there's a game going on. And I believe God, if we want to grow, God has called us to get in the field and get in the game. That God wants us to serve. That we grow through serving. That we grow through taking steps to, to be together and serve in different ways. I'm going to use a scripture passage. You look in, or look on the screen, the Gospel of John, John 21. I'm going to read verse 15 through 17. This is a, uh, I call this a, a foundational story for this church. I love this, I love this story. So I hear the word of the Lord. It says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Here was Peter. Peter who, before he met Christ, was a drunk and a brawler. Peter who denied that he even knew Christ at the moment Jesus needed him most. And then he saw God at work in such a mighty way that, you know, really only a handful of folks witnessed personally the death and the resurrection of Christ. And he saw God working. So obviously, man, he was, he was ready to go. He's like, I see God working. I'm a changed person. And then Jesus comes to him. And Jesus asked him this question, do you love me? And Peter says, of course, you know I love you. And he asked him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord. And he says, tend my sheep, shepherd my sheep, lead my sheep. See, I think each and every one of us, we see God at work, we get fired up, we get inspired. And we want to, man, we want to be there. We want to be in the presence of God working. And then if we believe in Christ and if we love Christ, then he asks us, do you love me? And we say, yes, of course. 
Then he says, shepherd my sheep. He says, lead my sheep. Because we're all sheep. And we all have needs. Whether they be physical or emotional or spiritual. And Jesus is calling us that if we love him, that we're not just about us. That we're not just to get fired up in the huddle and go running back. That we're to get in the game and get on the field. And tend his sheep and shepherd his sheep and lead his sheep. See, he's calling each and every one of you to something greater. Something you may not have ever realized that your life was destined for. That if you love him and if you believe in him, then he wants you to lead others to know him, to serve him, to love other people because of your love for Christ. He wants you to, to shepherd his sheep. I hope, well, let me take that back. I know that many of you already do that here at Bellwether. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of in our DNA, and a lot of folks know it. I mean, you don't just come here and sit in and soak it all in. I mean, there's a joke saying don't just stand around or don't ask to, to do something because somebody will tell you to. But it's not just to do something or it's not just to serve. See, I believe that there's something greater going on here than any of us individually. And I believe God's call for us is to serve one another. And if you feel led to this church and if you said, hey, I see God at work here. I'm committed to grow here. Then one way, a great way that we want each and every one of us to grow is to serve one another here. And these aren't just rote duties, but it is welcoming someone. It is literally, physically setting up this so that we can proclaim God's word. It is also in missions and outreach and being unleashed, as Jeff talks about, locally or going to another place, be it Uganda or be it Honduras or be it wherever God feels called, that we want to support that. It is in family. I mean, there's, we bring our kids in here each and every Sunday. We bring the teachers in. Because, man, they are so important. This is the future, and we want this to be a place for our children and for their children and to be raised up. And, guys, I can't do this on my own. Our worship team together, we can't do this on our own. Our staff, we can't do this. It takes a church. And so if we say, hey, I see God at work here. I want to take a step to grow. Then Jesus is asking you, do you love me? And we say yes. And he says, shepherd my sheep where you feel called, where you are seeing me shepherd my sheep. There's one last thing. See God at work. Answer his call. And he's calling all of us, but he may be calling us in different ways, just like my two boys, Jack and Logan. They're growing in different ways. God may grow you in very different ways with your different and unique gifts. But there's one great, one positive thing, one to me, inspiring thing, that if you want to commit to truly grow in Christ, we do it together. You will never grow spiritually in isolation. You will never grow spiritually as God intended you to grow, just being by yourself or being alone. It takes a community. It takes a body, as it's called in Scripture. It takes a church. And so if we really want to grow, and if we really want to commit to growth, then we do it together. We take steps together, and I want us to do that here. Several folks have asked me, or, or rather told me, that you know they're out in the community, and they tell folks, hey, I go to Bellwether, and they say, Bellwether, you know, I've heard great things about it, and why do you go there? And, I mean, that's a valid question. 
especially in places, you know, if you want the, you know, sure thing has a place or, and we know it's a sure thing. But anyway, they ask, you know, why don't you go to Bellwether? And these folks will say, you know, I really, I don't know what to say. I mean, you know, you can say the, the regular stuff, but, uh, you know, sometimes find it hard to articulate. And I'd love for you to articulate it with this story. Well, not with a story. Let me tell you the story and then give you a phrase that you can share. About 20 years ago, there was a movie. It um, wasn't a great movie. It was okay, but it's Backdraft. I loved it because it was about firemen. When I was growing up, I wanted to be a fireman. And it was a, this movie about firemen, and there was a scene at the end, and there was a, uh, one of the guys who was a fireman ended up being the bad guy, but he was buddies with the rest of the fireman crew, you know. And so they were in this, this big building, and it was on fire, and it was just going down. And so his best friend, you know, was trying to rescue the guy who had, stabbed him in the back or done something wrong or, you know, committed some, some bad stuff. And they were up, you know, high, and all of a sudden, part of the building caved in, and the bad guy was going to fall, and his buddy, you know, he reached down, and he, he grabbed his, his hand, and then the walkway or wherever they were collapsed again. So this guy was literally holding on while he was holding on to his buddy. And so they were, you know, they were just right here. And then the bad guy, he said, you know, let me go. And you could see it in his eyes. He, he knew what he had done, his guilt. He was like, I mean, I don't deserve to live. Let me go. And then his buddy said, I love this. He said, you go, we go. And ultimately, both were rescued. But I love that. You go we go. So if you're committed here to growing and God's led you to Bellwether and someone asks you, well, what is it about Bellwether? Make it simple for you. Because it's about you go, we go. And we take it a step further. It's you grow, we grow. Because as individuals, if you grow, if there's one person out here that's growing in their walk with Christ, then we grow as a church. Yes, it's about numbers because numbers are people, but it's about the growth of one and two and three. And if you're growing, then our church is growing. And so I want our attitude, our personality, our culture, our DNA to always be about you go, we go. You lose, we lose for a season. You win, we win. You hurt, we hurt. You celebrate, we celebrate. You love, we love. You go, we go. And you grow, we grow together. Commit. Commit to grow. You got to see God at work. I believe he's working here. I know he's working here. I pray you see it too. You got to answer God's call on your life. And that's not a call on John Hughes' life or anybody else's life. It's your life and he is calling you. And you got to answer it. And I hope when he calls you to lead his sheep, you'll say yes. And the great news, the good news, is that all of that was meant to happen together. Together. You go, we go. I want to invite you today. I want to invite you to grow. I want to invite you to commit to grow. This is the last Sunday of the series. It's been about commitments. Commit to Christ, commit to others, 
commit to see, and today, commit to grow. I want you personally, I invite you personally, individually, to commit or recommit to grow personally. And I hope that you'll commit here. And I want to see, I want to see up to Easter, I want to see baptisms, I want to see new life, I want to say, regardless of the circumstances of my life, be it a bad job situation, be it brokenness in a family, be it brokenness in my marriage, being death of loved ones, I'm going to recommit to Christ and to growing, and we'll do it together. And I promise you, I will do it together, we will do it together. And I want to see that through Easter, that this is a time, a period of growth for you personally. And then today, I want to start us taking a step together, that if you feel called here, and if you see God working here, then we're going to take that step together as a church, and we're going to move this baby forward, and we're going to take it to another level. And yes, it's not just to, hey, have a great church. This is something greater than ourselves, and something to build for your children, and for our grandchildren, that will go on long past me, and long past you, that you are committed, and you will do whatever to help other people those who aren't here see that God is working here. Last thing I would say, John 21, 15 through 17. Jesus asks, do you love me? Last thing I would say, do you love him? And you say yes, then you know what he says next. When are you going to start? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. I give you thanks that you're working here in our midst. I pray people see that. I pray people feel that. I pray pe- people know that regardless of, of whatever life has thrown them, that they, they never have to be alone, that we're here together. And we're here because of what you did. And then your Holy Spirit and his presence and his power is with us. And we never, never, never have to be alone. I pray people will take steps to commit, to grow, to serve, to shepherd the sheep that are here, to reach out to those who are not here, to help people go all over the world, Uganda, Honduras, to serve you and love you. I pray for this church, dear Lord. I pray that all of us here would commit to growing this church, not for ourselves or not for anything selfish because we because we know that God is working here and we want other people to see it and to start growing for him. In Jesus' name, amen. They're going to lead us in worship. As always, our altars are open. Whatever is going on in your life, if you want to make a commitment or a recommitment today to grow personally in Christ or together as a church, come forward and pray. Our Jeremiah prayer team is here. We can pray with you or if you just want to pray on your own, that is fine just want to make a commitment in your seat, that's good too. But I pray that God is speaking to you and I pray right now you commit.